Welcome to the Player Engage podcast, where we dive into the biggest challenges, technologies, trends, and best practices for creating unforgettable player experiences. Player Engage is brought to you as a collaboration between Keyword Studios and HelpShift. Here is your host, Greg Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're joined by Ashlyn McDivitt, the Global Engagement Specialist at HyperHippo. Ashlyn, I'm very excited to have you here. I usually do a different type of intro, but I want to try something new with you, and I didn't quite warn you about this today. So uh, first off, hi. Anything you want to say to introduce yourself? Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am excited, too, because uh, just a high-level thing about Ashlyn is that she is a media and cultural studies degree at Okanagan. I studied that word and I practiced it and I think I nailed it and Ashlyn will be there. But I want to understand how people have gotten into gaming. And I think it's a very important thing. And we take a look at your history and we see that you're a media and cultural studies degree, which is great. And today you're in gaming. So I want to kind of work this off as first. What exactly does a, a global engagement specialist do? Oh, great question. So I started off at Hyper Hippo in the player experience department. And uh, I, I've, I'm now in a bit of a hybrid role between player experience and our new global markets department. So both of those departments, the name says it all, player experience department focuses on our players, that encompasses player support, community management, dealing with any questions and community events. And the new global markets department focuses on uh, not just new global markets, um, but also non-English speaking markets that we're currently based in. Uh, so our game was developed by primarily English speakers. Uh, we are based in Canada, so we do have quite a few French speakers as well. But while we're creating the game and creating these experiences for our players, we're coming at it with an English-speaking lens and specifically a North American lens. So the NGM department really focuses on our players outside of North America, um, what their needs are, and how we can best support them. Uh, so right now I'm focusing on what we need to do to help our non-English speaking players and our non-North American players to make their experience uh, just as good as any others. Interesting. So just kind of wrap that up, right? You're, it's still very much player experience. You're just now taking a, a look at that and how do you expand that, have that same experience, whether someone's from from Germany or from Korea or from Singapore compared to how the people in the United States or Canada might might be experiencing so yeah exactly that's very cool I think I think the player experience is one of the most things that excite me and Ashlyn and I spoke a couple of weeks ago about our favorite games right and games that she's interested in and I think when you start at a young age you want to be immersed in this gaming experience and I think when someone can come in and say hey I want to help make this the same experience no matter where they live where they are it's the same experience for everyone I think that's noble so with that being said right I'm assuming uh, you didn't grow up dreaming to be a player engagement specialist um in, that's in true. so so what did you want to be when you grew up and and how did you make this journey from what you wanted to be to a global uh, to a writing and studies major to to where you are? So I, my entire life, wanted to be a teacher. That was my dream. My mom is a teacher. My grandma is a teacher. No, they're both retired now, but they both were teachers, and that's what I wanted to do um, from as long as I can remember up until about grade eleven. And I'm based in British Columbia, Canada. And at the time when I was uh, starting to look into post-secondary education and, and really focus in on what my future would be, it really wasn't a great time to be a teacher in BC. Uh, there were constant strikes. Oh, what else was happening at the time? There was lots of strikes. Um, the pay really wasn't great compared to teaching in other parts of Canada. And uh, I just wasn't sure if that was exactly what I wanted to do. So, uh, or if that would be the best, um, and let me rephrase that actually. I just wasn't sure if that was a, if that was going to be a sustainable future. I still will say that I do think teachers in BC are underpaid compared to how much they work and everything they put up with. But I, I 
went in for my media and cultural studies diploma uh, thinking that I could get a teaching bachelor's on top of that. So I would start off with the diploma, see where that took me, and then if I wanted to go into teaching, I could just uh, add that on top and it wouldn't be too much of an extra commitment. Uh, and during that time, I went a completely different route and I started working in fashion, which was not something that I planned. Uh, and when that ended, I really wasn't sure what to do with myself. Uh, I was kind of at a crossroads. I, I was pretty young still and um, yeah, just not sure what to do with myself. I don't know if you've ever been in that position, but I think a lot of young people uh, get kind of, oh, Luna, sorry, my cat, Luna. Digging in my plant. Sorry. People love cats. They're good. <laughs> I love her too, but um, oh my god, could you not? My poor plant is dying over there in the corner. Yeah. Mine too, but I can't blame a cat. <laughs> um, what, where was I? So you're in fashion, and then you I just got to your kind of. What do I do when I grow up? Yeah, yeah. I um, I was really stuck on exactly what I wanted to do, so I went back to school. Uh, finished up my diploma, and when I graduated, uh, I didn't want to go into teaching anymore. It was just a huge departure from where I was in my life, and I think that ship had kind of sailed. So I saw a, I was recommended a job posting for the player experience rep just part-time at Hyper Hippo, which is a support role. And so I thought, yeah, I can, I can do that. I was working retail, so I could just add another part-time job on top of that, see where it took me while I really wasn't sure what to do with my life. Uh, and then I never worked part-time. I immediately went into full-time and the rest is history. Sweet. And player experience, like, I think to myself, when it comes to player experience, I'd probably need experience for that. How, how am I going to jump into a role? Like maybe and you were a gamer and we could talk about that, but like, how do you prep yourself saying, I'm going to be ready for a player experience role at a, a gaming company? Oh, really good question. I, uh, Sorry, I didn't prep her I, for these questions either. So no, I feel bad no. for her right now, sweating it out. No, that's a really good one. It was, you know, I did have a bit of imposter syndrome at first thinking I was not prepared. It's a very male dominated industry. And so I was coming in, I was the, the youngest person at the company at the time. And I was... I didn't identify with the word gamer, not because I didn't play games, but because when you think of a gamer, you typically think of like a Call of Duty Diablo player, um, typically a, a man or a boy. Uh, and I was playing like The Sims, Animal Crossing, Minecraft. I play a ton of games on my phone typically puzzle or time management ones. And uh, you, you just don't really see that represented under the word gamer. So I felt very out of place at first. But I, like I said, I've always played games, specifically mobile games. Uh, when I worked in fashion, I traveled a lot and I was traveling for months at a time in one suitcase. There really wasn't an opportunity to have a lot of um, hobbies, even things like I love reading couldn't bring a lot of books with you because uh, you've, you've got one suitcase for sometimes six or seven months of travel. Uh, but my phone was always there. Uh, so I did, have an, uh, I did have some books on my phone, but um, I was constantly playing games while in airports, waiting for a train, uh, waiting for a meeting to start. Uh, so I felt very familiar with what it's like to be a mobile game player. And uh, also to not see yourself represented under the title of gamer. Um, so while I was very nervous at first, I had a really great team who taught me everything I needed to know and give me the confidence to stop feeling nervous. Yeah, I think there's a lot of power in just being a gamer. You know what you yeah. like and you know what you don't like. And yeah, you're not an expert, at it, but I can know if I play The Sims and I hate the fact that this one button's here and why is this one button here and drives you mad. Like you, it, you're not gonna say you're qualified for the job, but you know the experience, you know what you're doing, and you can talk about what you're doing. And it's funny because it what I imagine kind of a player experience when you when you're taking a look at the player experience, right? 
I imagine, and I'm making this up in my mind as I go, so keep me honest, it's not that far off from teaching because teaching, you're trying to get people to understand their curriculum. This is how things go. And when you're looking at player experience, you want the players to do specific things in game. Have you ever made any connections between, and I know you didn't go to school for all the teaching, you went for some of it, right? But like from your mom and your grandma, like, did you ever relate anything from teaching to what you're doing with player experience? Absolutely. That's a really interesting question. But a lot of the things that I, that drew me toward teaching are the things I enjoy in my current job as well. I mean, there's the obvious of training new reps going through the hiring process is a lot of actual teaching in that. But when you're working with the player too, there's a lot of, yeah, teaching them how things work. If there's a question that comes in, I think it's very similar to a teacher discussing with a student. And something that I like more about my current job is I think it's quite collaborative. Um, you know, we collaborate with the players in lots of ways that I don't know I would be able to experience if I were a teacher. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it's fun that that's the stuff you enjoy most. It shows that maybe you were born to be this teacher, but you're able to expand that knowledge set and apply the skills that you love to something else. And I just kind of love how you do that. Because even to this day, I have friends that are in teaching and they maybe want to try and get out of it. They're like, but my only skill set is teaching. I'm like, no, but that's a huge skill set that you can apply to anything else in, in any industry. Like, no, almost anywhere you go from one industry to another, you can connect the lines on how things can match. And maybe KPIs are different. Maybe the skill sets are named something different. But you still learn these things that can translate over. And I think people don't look with an open enough mind to say, hey, these things can be related, even though they're completely different types of jobs. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, uh, I also know a few people who went into teaching and are looking for a change in career. And it's quite daunting because you do have... You know, your, edu your education is for education, but it is a really important skill set that I think is a lot of people um, would benefit in having somebody with those skills in their organization. And something you said earlier, just to kind of double down on it, is I think teacher the teachers are the most underpaid people in, yes. in almost every... I mean, one thing we can all say about each other is that we've all had a teacher, something to help inspire us and get us to where we're going to go and teachers deserve nothing but the best compared to not compared to everyone else but they definitely deserve the best absolutely i completely agree with that especially with the rising cost of living yep there are teachers more seriously i'm down for that let's talk a little bit about hyper hippo can you yeah. give our audience kind of that may not be familiar with the types of games that you create who is hyper hippo yeah absolutely so hyper hippo um we create actually let me restart that uh, so Hyper Hippo focuses on the idle genre, so games that play themselves even while you're gone. Uh, our big titles are Adventure Capitalist and Adventure Communist, uh, which are both satirical, a bit controversial in theme, but it's all, uh, it's all in good fun. It's all satire. Cool. And these are primarily all mobile, right? Are you creating on any other platforms? So Adventure Capitalist actually started off on Steam and PlayStation, and this is when Hippo was trying out a bunch of things, trying out new platforms and seeing where the audience was, and it was clear that our audience is mainly on mobile. Uh, Adventure Capitalist still has a thriving Steam community, but we focus for our future titles primarily on mobile for right now. So you have Adventure Capitalist, Adventure Communist, I know there's a whole bunch of them and interesting podcast i had the other day i can't quite remember which one but he talked about kind of cannibalizing players when you have multiple games in the same genre uh do you see your player base and i'm not sure if you measure this do they adopt all the games do you understand who's a player of adventure capitalist versus communist versus mech mice right some of the other games as well oh that's a good question I would not be the best person to answer that because I don't have that data on the top of my head. But we do see different player profiles uh, across our games. A lot of that is based on genre. So if you're somebody who, um, or theme, I should say, a lot of it is based on theme. Uh, so somebody who is drawn to Adventure Communist, for example, may not be the same type of person who's drawn to Adventure Ages, which is a, a time-traveling theme. Mm -hmm. uh, however, we do 
I, I would say that a lot of our players try out all of our games and see which one they identify with the most, or perhaps there's multiple titles that they identify with. Do you keep a common player experience from within the game? So just from start to tutorial to playing the game, if I pick up one game, am I going to know the rest? Yes and no. Our games do have different mechanics. Mm -hmm. uh, Adventure Ages and Adventure Communist are the most similar, but our other games, primarily Vacation Tycoon and Adventure Capitalist are our other uh, main titles, do have different mechanics. So it's not exactly a one for one. However, okay. we do try to keep a lot of the hippo branding alive in the games. So if you're playing one game, we hope that you can identify, oh, this is a hyper hippo game. And that would be based on things like the art, the humor, uh, and of course, the, the PX, the actual support that you get from within the game. I love that about those, those genres of games where you can with the artwork alone, just know this is the same style of game. I immediately think of games like Bioshock, where there's a few different Bioshocks that took place in different worlds, but just the artwork alone just kind of always brought you back to this is the type of game I'm playing. And I think that's important for players, especially when they love a game, that it's all part of that immersive experience. And is this the stuff that you're taking a look at as a player experience manager when, when you were in that role? Yeah, absolutely. I want to know uh, what the players are identifying as a hippo trademark and what they're liking. An unexpected one, I shouldn't say unexpected exactly, but um, we have a reputation for good OSTs. Um, our music is now made entirely in-house and uh, players love our music. Right when I first started, we would get people emailing in asking, is your music on SoundCloud? Is it on Spotify? I just want to listen to it as I'm working. And so now we do have all of our music up on YouTube. And whenever a new event comes out for Adventure Communist specifically, we get people asking, okay, where's the music? Can you upload the music? Uh, awesome. Which which I, I love hearing that. It wasn't something that we necessarily intended to do. Um, but we do take pride in our, our OSTs. And it was delightful to hear that players were appreciating that. It's little things like that that... that when you hear about the dominance of generative AI coming out, like these little things make your game special, right? And it's fun. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you probably could eventually have a, have an AI make that, but, but just complimenting the music of the game, like that would just take me so off guard and get me so excited about some little thing. Like, Oh, that's awesome that you let, like, I'd love to be able to like, I have a friend that just plays different music soundtracks throughout, throughout his working day. I'm like, that would drive me mad personally because like, I want to just go start playing a game. But uh, it's awesome that you have the ability to uh, to attract the audience and keep people just based on the soundtrack. I think that's special. That makes something special there. Uh, especially with us being a mobile game company, a lot of players will play with the sound off as they mm -hmm. listen to their own music or their own podcast. Um, so we've had people write in saying, I usually turn the music off, but I always keep it on for your game. That's really special to hear. Yeah, tell them they can even turn it off and load it up on Spotify and just run the whole soundtrack through as they're playing. But I, I, that is special, right? And I mean, again, on the podcast, I ask you what you did when you were growing up, right? Some people are artists. Like, there's roles for art people. There's roles for music people. There's roles for everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's the most exciting about it. When it comes to player experience, how do decisions you make happen? Is it Are you getting feedback from people? Are you talking with your team internally? Is it a... Everyone raises their hand or plays seven up or something like that. Um, I would love if we played seven up. I don't know how we would do that remotely, but um, I will be talking to my team about that. Uh, just to, we try to. Um, so one of our we we have two. Um, what are they called? Values. Values. Core. One of our company values is being player first. So that means always putting the player and the player's best interests above anything else. And the other one, the other value uh, that would be relevant here is transparency. We internally, um, I would say those two values guide the PX team more than anything else. So when we are talking to the developers about a new feature, say, that's coming out, or uh, we've gotten some feedback from the community, uh, it's very collaborative. 
we are very transparent with the devs about exactly what the players are saying and they are transparent back to us about uh, you know any limitations um, sometimes you know we we have a request for them that just uh, due to some uh, you know what's acts that sentence I, don't I know love where you're going with it though there are some times where we might provide feedback or suggestions and we don't understand the technical limitations or perhaps we just have you know manpower limitations so that so where am I going with this? Well, as you're going, it's going to lead to this next question, right? Which is good, right? Because I'd like to ask about, I asked about the philosophy that your team follows and you're saying that you follow your core values, which are fantastic. And what's fun, Nashlin hasn't mentioned it, neither has I, is if you go to the HyperHippo website, which we will have on our webpage, A, they all call themselves hippos, which is just fun in general. Mm -hmm. But there's also a video that will go through each different individual, or at least I think there were seven core values and each person talking about a core value. And I Ashley, I had yours written down. I probably erased it when I was uh, taking notes here during the thing here. But but Ashlyn's one of her core values that was people first. Uh, uh, yes, I think people first. Um, player first. Player, player first. first. Sorry. So I think it's exciting, and I like your communication with your engineering team. A lot of times we hear about a lot of disconnect between a support team and engineering team. So how how, how does that communication happen? Okay. So. We are, I'm, I'm very lucky that we have a very player first development team and engineering team who are very interested in hearing from the PX team. So we have a community manager and he is constantly in our socials, our Discord, our Reddit, our Facebook, Twitter, paying attention to what people are saying and communicating with them directly as well. Uh, and then compiling that very neatly and in, in a way that's digestible for the development team. And that could include screenshots, links to different posts across the web, yeah, direct feedback from the players. Uh, and in return, the dev team will very transparently tell us exactly what's going on on their end. If there are any uh, delays due to limitations, um, you know, especially during the summer, a lot of people are off on vacation. Um, so that can cause some some delays as well. And, and then give us something that we can go back to the players with. And we do try to be as transparent as we can be. You know, obviously we can't give every detail about the happenings at our company, but we really do try to give as many details as we can about why a decision was made, why a feature was implemented the way that it was, you know, what changes are coming. But when they're coming, you know, we might decide based on player feedback, okay, this event, maybe it was too hard or it was too easy or the players aren't liking this particular mission. We want to change that. We might not be able to change it right away. And so we do try to tell the players, you know, an expected timeline for when that might happen. Uh, but it's very collaborative within our studio. Uh, there isn't really a hierarchy of who gets to make the final decision. It really is a conversation between the PX team and uh, the production team. I think that's very cool the way it's done. I think it's not often, again, like I said, you find a, a team that's collaborative, like between engineering support. It's usually kind of acting as a middleman between the player, and sometimes it gets frustrating, which it still does, I'm sure. But I also like the, uh, I know I wouldn't call it publishing your roadmap, right? But I like the idea of being able to share a good amount of stuff, right? And the problem is, and I think a lot of people don't always realize this, is that when you're talking about engineering for a, a SaaS tool or a game, right? Like, it's hard to give hard deadlines. Stuff happens, stuff breaks. And some players, most players maybe understand that, but a lot of vocal ones also don't understand that. That's why broken games often get released and then patched afterwards. But uh, I like yeah. that idea. And it got me thinking, like, when your players, right, you run a season pass or a season event, how are you getting that feedback from the players? Is it from social, like you mentioned, or is it from in-game? Or how do, you, how do you work towards collecting that feedback from your, your players? So it's a combination of both. We do have our community manager who is uh, often, especially in the Discord and Reddit, but our um, our player experience reps, who are you can think of them as support reps, they're also in Discord, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and they're always listening. 
It's really important to us to get this feedback. So oftentimes it'll be collected uh, via screenshot or direct link. Um, we'll send things over real time in Slack, uh, but we also have frequent meetings with the production team and which is really the purpose of the meeting is uh, really to listen to what the players are saying. Uh, as well as to, you know, of course, update our PX team with any changes in the production mm -hmm. roadmap. So we collect things via social. We also collect feedback from within the game. Uh, so we use HelpShift, which we love. And uh, yeah, uh, it's made a huge difference in our the way that we support our players. We can collect feedback very efficiently using HelpShift. Uh, we do have a feedback bot that players can use. Um, everything is tagged, so we can easily sift through any new feedback from the week. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can actually use that to give our production team hard numbers, which, of course, pr producers love data, developers love data. And so we can say we have X amount of tags from the most recent event, uh, X amount are positive, X amount are negative. This is the mission in particular that players don't really like or that they're struggling with. And here is supplemental data from Discord and Twitter and Reddit with uh, more player feedback. So great information. Thank you for plugging HelpShift. That's better than I could ever do. Uh, and it's good to hear that it makes a difference because I, I, I love it, obviously. I work there, but, but I love <laughs> to be able to hear other people just understanding, hey, I can collect feedback because feedback I think is one of the most important parts. And it's funny how many game yes. companies don't necessarily collect feedback. And it just always boggles my mind. Like, how are you not collecting feedback? It's how you learn how to update the game and pivot the game. Uh, we, we briefly, well, we didn't talk about it in the podcast, but we talked about segmentation and segmentation for our, our listeners who don't know. It's just be able to segment groups of players. Some are influencers or maybe some are streamers or some are VIPs. And I'm not sure if you do that today. Maybe we don't have to dig into that. But when, when you're collecting feedback, do specific voices from the community, are they louder than others when you're, when you're taking notes? I mean, of course you do have, we do have our community influencers. And of course, their opinion is very influential. Um, and we do have the people who basically after every new event will, um, will give us their feedback and we really value that. But I wouldn't say that we would value it any more than anyone else. It's really interesting when people who don't normally speak up start speaking up. Because that's listen. when you, yeah, well, that's when you, you know, either something is really wrong or it's really good. So when we were talking about the music, for example, I personally really noticed it when people we don't normally hear from in places we don't normally hear from players started mentioning the music. That is not to say that the people who give us consistent feedback, we don't take that just as seriously. Um, these are our most engaged players. They know the game better than you know anyone else really because they're actively playing it. So that isn't to say that their consistent feedback isn't also very, very helpful. It really is. But it's interesting when you start hearing from people who don't normally speak up. I love that. I, I really do because I like to think of myself as a more of actually a quiet person. And I mm -hmm. think people who are quiet, especially if you can see that they're playing the game a lot, I think when a quiet person that is engaged in the game speaks, that carries a very big stick. And that means, oh, this longtime player who I've never heard from has a problem. And if I want this person to keep playing who I never have to hear from, let's see what's going on and investigate this. I mean, that's uh, yeah. influencers are great for game because they're going to spread the word. But you need these players that are just continuously grinding in the game and playing in the game and giving the game use, right? And listening to them, I think, right. is essential. It's especially, you raise a really good point. I think that most players don't write in. I think for most people, if they're playing a game and there's an issue, they'll just delete the game. So for every person who writes in, we can imagine there are 10, 20, 30 who have the same opinion, the same problem, or the same critique who just deleted the game or didn't write in. I mean, how many times have you written into a mobile games support team? 
me personally well you're, you're asking maybe the yeah. wrong person who has to test it out a lot with uh, our customers i am asking the wrong person oh darn more often than you think no that, I, I get it you're right it's, it's a funny thing about the internet because you have communities like reddit where when you're hidden behind a username you can be a completely different individual than when you see them in the streets right like the pe- people online who i think are the loudest probably when you see them in in real life are probably quiet and just going to be sitting there right so it's an interesting thing about being able to be online but when you're playing a game and you want to give your honest opinion right if you're not trolling anyone that it's still going to be that important thing that you hear from yeah I have personally written in, not just for my own testing, but for for genuine reasons, I've written into two companies. One was a gaming company and one was a, uh, a different app. I was having issues in both. And uh, it really it really took a lot for me to write in, to be honest. In, in the game, I, I was very displeased with a glitch that ruined my save. Uh, And in the app, uh, there was a glitch that basically made the app unusable for me. Uh, But I've had issues in other games too. They were minor issues or I had minor critiques or I had feedback of something I really liked and I I didn't write in. I'm not the kind of person who would typically do that unless there's a big issue. So um, we can imagine every time somebody does give us feedback, there are so many more people with the same opinion. It's a great dilemma. Uh, I, years ago, I was on a call with a prospect and they created an Xbox game that I actually played every night. Like I loved it. Me and my buddies would play it. And we were, it was going well. And I said, yeah, every time I log on, I get a network error. And I just hit A and it retries and it works. They're like, well, have you reported the problem? I said, no. I mean, it just hit A and it works. They're like, well, that's the problem. Like, if you have a problem, you got to let us know like how and i think that's the interesting thing is like you played these mm-hmm. games and you had an error maybe you just reloaded and it worked but someone else had that problem and probably quit the game and uninstalled it or maybe it happens a few times like as an engagement manager at a certain point right do you even think about like how can i start proactively reaching out how can i get this information from players who aren't talking to me to, to understand their insight and i know it's a tough question that may not even have an answer but is it something you've thought through it is and it, you're right it is a really tough dilemma of um being proactive but we uh, for a lot of it for for a lot of issues right now we're really relying on hearing from our players you know there are things that people in the industry are are working on so that we can be more proactive in detecting issues uh, and a lot of those i can't really speak on but something that I would like to highlight is the relationship building between our community manager and all of our other PX reps and our community members. People feel more comfortable coming to you with a minor issue if they know, you know, you have a, a username that they're familiar with. They've seen you joking around and sending gifts in the Discord. They know who you are. You have a personality to them. You're not just a nameless support bot right um so that's one of the ways that we we have been we've been seeing some success of catching especially minor issues early on the other thing too is going through the reviews we pay very close attention to the reviews not just one stars but five stars not just english language ones all languages uh, because if a player has a problem they uh they might delete the app and just say didn't work for me because of xyz and you're likely you're more likely to catch um, minor issues that are causing players to delete the game uh, through the reviews from players who aren't engaged enough yet to actually send in a support ticket they have no uh no real feelings towards the game yet maybe they've just downloaded it encountered an error and deleted it so we respond to as many reviews as we can, asking people to write to us with more details or giving them support instructions through the review if that's what's needed there. And we also uh, we really analyze the reviews to see if there's an uptick in certain problems or if that's actually another way we collect feedback. Uh, players will sometimes leave it just in their reviews. 
Yeah, we see that quite a bit often. I'm not sure if you're pulling rear views into help shift, but it's interesting when customers decide to do that because there is, I mean, there's some people that don't work reviews well, but people leave some good information in there, right? And yes. just being able to analyze it is kind of essential. And, you know, we've talked about Reddit, we've talked about Discord, we've talked about the iOS and Play Store. And, and uh, as I am getting older, I'm finding that it's tougher for me to understand what are, what are the more popular channels these days. But where, where do you see most of your community living these days and engaging on? Oh, good question. We're getting a lot from Discord and Reddit. I would say our most engaged players are there, but it really depends on the product. Adventure Capitalist, for example, is is very appealing to people of all ages, from very young players to uh, more senior players. Uh, and Facebook is quite popular with those age groups. So for you know, for some of our products, we have a more active Facebook page. Uh, but Reddit and Discord, I would say, are the two biggest. And then I would add reviews in there as well, because you get a very nice sampling of people who are not so engaged and very engaged. It's uh, interesting. that It makes sense now that I think about it. I used to work for a social networking company. And like, yeah, the older demographics are still on Facebook. They're not necessarily going to always be on, on Reddit or Discord, but they might be. But, but yeah, if you're marketing a game that, for an older demographic or a, a more experienced demographic, uh, Facebook is probably a place to do that. Whereas for for everything else, I could see it being more so. I could see Discord being a younger demographic, but Reddit is probably binding those two a little bit. Yeah, and we're experimenting with other channels as well. Uh, yeah. You know, doing some experiments with Twitter, um, with TikTok, and YouTube Shorts. And uh, something that I'm specifically looking into is where are international players and how do we communicate with them effectively? I think one of the things that uh, we really do well at Hippo is uh, communicating with our players through social channels. So responding to tweets, uh, responding to Facebook comments and Facebook messages and engaging with players in the Discord. But right now, we are an English speaking team. And by nature, that just happens to attract English speaking users, yep. which makes sense. You know, I, uh, I play a game that is from a Korean studio and I probably wouldn't follow them on Twitter uh, just for Korean tweets. Now, actually Twitter has a really good auto translate function. Um, but like if they were posting Korean language TikToks, I don't understand that. I probably wouldn't follow it. I wouldn't comment because I just, I just, I don't speak Korean. Um, so one thing that I'm looking at is where are our players who don't speak English? Where do we need to go? And then how do we also communicate with them? We, Google Translate is, it's fine. It's, it, it does the trick, uh, but especially for languages like Korean, uh, Mandarin, Chinese, Japanese, Thai, um, it it causes some funky errors. So an example that I think is kind of funny is uh, a tweet from a Japanese player who is saying, this is really good for a neglected game. And I thought, oh, that's not very, you know, it's, 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 they they're thinking we abandon our game maybe, which you know we're still we're still coming up with updates for it. Uh, I need to, I need to look farther into this, and it turns out that uh, they were trying to say this is a really good idle game, and idle was being translated into neglected, and so I do. That's something that we need to think about is yeah. um, you know what what do we need to do to actually communicate with these players. Because what are we sending off to them in English? They're translating and going, oh, hey, that support rep was kind of mean. Yeah, it's such a good point because I'm not going to push any of my services. But <laughs> we often see companies think, I'm just going to throw my FAQs in Google Translate and just copy and paste the FAQs into Google Translate. And we're like, that's not a good idea because no. to me and you talking real quick right now, yeah, maybe Google Translate will be good enough. But, and something about the Japanese, we, we've seen that Japanese are the highest in-app spenders when it comes to actually engaging with online games. And 
you want to make sure that you're close to perfect when it comes, especially in Japanese, but all the all the languages, right? Because again, like you you rolled with it being a neglected game, but what are you going to do? But like that's not what they even meant, and yes. you only know that because you looked it up. How many other times does this happen? And no one even looks it up. So I, I think, yeah, it's a fun fun thought of like how do you do that when it's time? How do you know what channels? How do you know the appropriate way to communicate with them? Yeah, and you raise a really good point about um, just the, the importance of high quality localization. Mm-hmm. If I was playing a game that was translated into English from another language and the translation was poor, I wouldn't want to be playing the game. No. Uh, and that goes not just for the translation. I think a lot of studios focus on really good game translations and then let everything else kind of slide support needs to be well translated too Mm -hmm. as best as it can be your faqs have to be translated properly and so our our our, uh our social channels now is the next challenge for me or a challenge for me for the future how are we gonna we are an english-speaking team right now how are we going to engage in the same way we engage in english and support in the same way without turning players off because the translations are horrendous yeah it's going to be an interesting one you got the wechats of the world the vks of the world all the other mm-hmm. social giants that live outside of the states or north america mm-hmm. um, so one of my last questions for you ashley mcdivitt of hyper hippo global engagement specialist what is the favorite part of your day favorite part of my day i guess oh, work-related gonna... favorite part of the day I'm going to be controversial. I like a lot of my meetings. I know people are sick of meetings Uh, and I agree. There are too many. There are simply too many. However, I am an extrovert working from home right now. I'm in my living room. I'm typically in my office, which is a glorified closet with no windows. And I, I really like collaborating with people. I like hearing their feedback and passing along feedback and creating something together. And I'm not saying we need a calendar full of meetings, but I get a lot of value from having my current meeting schedule is glorious. I have, uh, you know, usually an hour and a half to two hours of meetings per day. And that's perfect for me. I have a lot of time to get work done. But if I have a day with no meetings, I am noticeably more agitated at the end of the day. Uh, And I need to go out and actually see people. Well, we've always heard in videos that people like meetings. We thought it was fake, but Ashley (laughs) is promoting the meetings. No, I I get it, right? You want us to be able to see people. there's that fine line between too many meetings. It's that whole, can you just do this with an email? Um, Yes. And I have had too many meetings before. So my, when I was a player experience rep, my people leader went on maternity leave. So I took over for her role and then her people leader went on paternity leave. And it was too short of a time where it really made sense to, um, to hire for that role so i took that on as well and my calendar was stacked and there was simply too many meetings i I really did become a meeting hater in that time uh you know you have an eight hour day and nine of those are full of meetings some of which did not need to exist um i i get where people are coming from when they hate them but if you tone it down just do the essentials then I think it can be quite nice. Fair. I have two last questions for you, and I'll let you go, but they're in the form of one question. Well, it's all going to come out at once. What Ashlyn didn't share with everyone is that growing up, she loved Barbie Detective on Glean Boy Color. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? The Barbie games are fantastic. So the first question is, are you going to go see the Barbie movie this weekend? This is opening weekend. And the second question is, what game or technology are you most excited about in the near-term future? I loved, it was Barbie's Secret Agent, I believe was what it was called, and that game transformed me, um, and I'm absolutely 
seeing the Barbie movie. Thank you for asking. I have my outfit picked out. I am painting my nails pink. I am painting my boyfriend's nails pink. I am painting our friend's nails pink. We are all going dressed up ready for, I think it's going to be the movie of the decade. I'm convinced. Bet. I'm gonna, so excited. Are you going to go with Oppenheimer stuff afterwards as well so you could quickly change and just go run into Oppenheimer? I thought about I it. I really, really did. Um, I, I hear a lot of people are doing Oppenheimer first and then Barbie to cheer up. I get that. Um, that makes sense. And the reviews for Oppenheimer are great. I think it debuted with 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is yep. insane. But I'm not in the mood to be depressed. <laughs> Sir, I get it. There's a lot of depressing things in the world. We don't need more. We don't need more. As for technology or games I'm excited about, I will answer both. For game, I'm really excited about Coral Island, um, which is a Stardew Valley-esque game with incredible art. I believe it's an Indonesian company that's creating it. And so I love the cultural aspects that are coming through. It is released, but I believe it is the beta version. And I I did just recently get a Steam Deck. So I'm considering getting it on Steam Deck or I might wait uh, for its release on Switch. Uh, I am a handheld player. Generally, I do... I do like some PC games, but I grew up with my Game Boy and my DS, so I, I prefer the handheld generally. Um, as for technology, I am very excited about AI. I know a lot of people in my industry are terrified it's going to replace our jobs, and maybe I'm being a little too optimistic, but I'm really excited to see how it can work alongside our teams to make things easier. I'm really interested in how it could help us with the challenge of communicating with players uh, like on social media who don't speak English, how it can help us go into uh, you know these different social media platforms and also just communicate where we already are. Uh, that example I gave earlier with the idle genre being translated to neglected, I know that there are some AI models, if I may plug Cantan AI, that Keywords has, um, I, I know that would be a solution for something like that, because uh, the AI can recognize that this word in this context should be translated this way. We also have Adventure Communist released in Spanish from Spain, Spain Spanish, European Spanish, okay. European Spanish, and Latin American Spanish. And there are some words that would be translated differently. Um, most notably for Adventure Communist, the word potato is translated differently. And the game is, uh, potatoes are a very key aspect. So um, I'm interested in, in using AI to help us differentiate when 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 the word should be translated into European Spanish or Latin American Spanish. Um, I also think from a localization and NGM standpoint, it could help us reach players in languages that we can't currently afford to support. Translation, high quality translations and localizations are really expensive and time consuming. And we just can't translate into every language that there is, even if we'd like to. But I'm interested, how can AI help us mm -hmm. speed things up, obviously with the help of real translators still, because uh, their wisdom and their empathy is really unparalleled. I don't think AI is there quite yet. But working together with translators and AI, what languages can we expand into that right now just isn't feasible for us? Yeah, I think that's well said. I, I think I agree. I mean, we're like seven months into maybe seven months into ChatGPT becoming really mainstream and already the spinoffs and the, the new technologies that have spurred from it. I mean, it's early days, this technology yet where it's pedal to the metal and, and it's exciting to see mm -hmm. where things go. And, and I think being able to and we talk about this a lot, but being able to learn how to use these tools they're not meant to necessarily replace people, but it's helped to enable you to get your work done more efficiently, more effectively, smarter, right? And yes, to your point, you'll be able to communicate with these people in Korea, in Japan, in Singapore, in Germany, right? It, right. Without knowing that language. And you can feel a little more confident knowing, all right, this is going to come out the right way because this is, this is how it's designed. This is how it's built. So I think it's cool stuff. 
Yeah, and maybe, you know, in the next three years, I will look back at this podcast with tears in my eyes because I have been completely replaced by the robots. But I I genuinely think there is a future where AI and real humans are happily living alongside each other, singing lovely songs and dancing like, and getting yeah, work yeah. done. Like, there are certain jobs I do not like doing. They are boring. Nobody mm-hmm. likes doing them. They're very mundane. I'm interested in how AI can help with that. And I can yeah. focus, and everyone on my team can focus on the more important, more exciting aspects of our job, uh, specifically the areas that do still require the empathy that I don't think AI has and I don't see it having for a little while. Agreed. But you know what? You, you never know how quickly this is going to move these days. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. We'll just have to see. I, I'm excited to see where it goes. And I think it can be really good. Again, if I lose my job to AI, I'll come to you crying. There you go. Well, I was wrong. Well, Ashlyn, I am so happy you came. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. And I think it went really well. And I'd love for you just anything else, anything you want to plug, share, talk to. Stage is yours. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. If anyone is listening and they would like to try an idle game, I have to plug, of course, Hyper Hippos Games. My current favorite is our newest game, Vacation Tycoon. And I'm also a diehard adcom fan, adventure communist. But of course, if you want to try any of our games, please do. Uh, and I got to plug HelpShift as well. We use HelpShift. It made a huge difference in my job when we switched over. Uh, and I'm a I'm HelpShift's number one fan. So thank I, you for HelpShift. I'm not even making her say that. But thank <laughs> you for those kind words. And it's been great. I, I really enjoyed just hearing about you wanting to become a teacher, followed by working in fashion, followed by now being in gaming. I think this is going to be a kind of an inspiration to some people that are out there wondering how I can get from here to there. So I really appreciate hearing your story. And we will have all the information about Ashton on our player engage as well as Hyper Hippo. And we'll even we'll even find the Barbie game to link it up there. But I really enjoyed this. And I, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And have a great rest of your day.